Hello, welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Allie. And I'm Ginny. And this week we're talking about forever and disharmony. Yes. <laughs> and I'm so happy I liked them both. Me too. <laughs> oh, Angel was great for once. Well, yeah. not for once. I don't, you know, that's not the attitude I want to have. Angel was great. Again. Angel was great again. Again. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think harmony being in it had a lot to do with it. Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know. That, that doesn't make it any less good. No. Um, so, Jenny, how was your week? It's good. <laughs> that wasn't a leading question or anything. Yeah, I know. I was like, wait, do I want to say this? Yeah, sure, why not? Um, I got engaged yesterday, so Yay! that's exciting. <laughs> and um, you we've guys, been talking this about is it. How, this is what happens when you watch feminist television, okay? Jenny, why don't you tell them who did the proposing? Oh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did the proposing like a modern woman. <laughs> I bought my boyfriend an engagement watch, and it was great. To be fair, it wasn't a big surprise, and he did have a ring also <laughs> for me, but it was still nice. You were like, here, I'll trade you. <laughs> kind of, yeah. They also kind of match each other, which is nice. That was an accident, but, you know. Well, that's anyway. kind of a nice thing. Yeah. I did have a good time buying the watch. I went to this, you know, sort of fancy store and I was the only one there and these dudes helped me out for like an hour and then <laughs> gave me whiskey because you know how like hipster stores are like oh also we're we're featuring this whiskey you know like it's not a whiskey company but like that's just what places do and they were like oh we'll give you like a celebration pour and the guy poured me like a lot of <laughs> a lot of whiskey and like I drink a decent amount of whiskey is I guess what I'm saying is like even I, I was like this I can't drink all of that <laughs> but it did then I was like well I guess I'll just wander around the store for a while while I at least sip a little bit of this um so I just hung out there for a while and I kind of told them my whole story and it, you know I'm sure they were just entertaining me a because no one else is in the store and b because they you know I was the only one there but it was fun they were they I told them that I was going to propose and they were like oh that's nice oh, I wish a girl proposed to me and then I had a <laughs> nice buzz when I left um, and, and our other friend had to remind me, Hey, don't tell your boyfriend when you get home what you just did. And I like, literally I read that message and I was like 50, 50 chance. I would have just gone home and done that if she hadn't said something. So that was, that was good. That was, it was helpful. Thank well, you. it was funny because you were like, Oh, I like drunkenly blabbed my plan to him. Like well, a few exactly. Weeks ago. Yeah. The and history is like, a, yeah. I'm so tipsy. I'm going home. And I'm yeah. like, we're all like, Shh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right. The background is that I already spoiled part of my plan one evening, so <laughs> it wasn't undeserved, and I did need the reminder. And he was surprised. I mean, he wasn't surprised like we've been talking about it a lot in general, but he he didn't know that I had made the purchase, and so it was good. So it was is a he going to wear his engagement watch every day, and then I mean, if he wants to wear another watch, he has to like, stack it on top of it? <laughs> Uh, maybe. I guess I could demand that. Uh, I won't. But I think he's going to wear it, you know, for a while for the time being as his daily watch. I hope. It's not like... until you get married. Yeah. I guess I... I mean, I don't really care if he wears it every day because it's not like it's a real symbol. No one is going to look at the watch and be like, ah, you're engaged now. <laughs> There's nothing about it that will tip anyone off. So it's kind of like... You should have had them, like, scratch into the surface. Like, <laughs> I'm engaged. <laughs> they did try and get me to, like, monogram it. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Anyway, so that was my... That's my big news. I mean, I've got a lot of other spooky news, though. I... We'll wait until the end of the show, but I've got a good pop culture recommendation this week. Yeah, this just is just like as important the, the as my for life you on Spooky TV. It's been a great. It's been great. Yeah. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm getting ready to travel at the end of the week, so I'm oh, like right. yeah. super stressed about like you know making sure I like remember my passport and all the fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, like I don't know. I'm just trying to have like a chill weekend before I go. Mm-hmm. You know, when this airs, I will be in Australia, so that's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, not to brag or anything. Yeah. No, that'll be <laughs> No, fun. it's it's going to be a rather stressful work trip, so I'm not bragging, actually. But, yeah, um, yeah I'm getting excited about a vacation and at the end of it and mm-hmm. all of that. So, yeah. I'm going to learn how to scuba dive. Okay. Or that's try exciting. to learn how to scuba dive. I don't know how much I can really learn in, like, one swimming pool session, and then mm-hmm. they, like, throw you in the ocean and say, go dive. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little more, like, monitored than that, obviously, 
But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I said that's cool, but I actually think that's terrifying. I, I don't think I would ever go scuba diving. I'm actually curious how I'm going to handle it because the last few times I've gone snorkeling, it's mm. like I enjoy like looking at what's in front of me, but I have like a kind of it might be a real fear of like the stuff beyond that I can't yeah, see. Yeah, the ocean <laughs> so is terrifying. I'm I, like, I don't know that scuba diving is going to make that better. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that will be interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but I think with a dive, you like go in a group. So okay. at least I'll be protected. Yeah. I mean, way. you'll definitely be safe if someone's, you know, yeah. looking out for you. Yeah. I don't know. I like did have that thought, like maybe I won't enjoy this as much as I think, but mm-hmm. I've always wanted to try it, so this is going to be my chance. Um, Not as exciting as your news, Mm. but... (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to sound like I'm not excited. It is very exciting. But we should talk about Buffy. We've been talking for a a long time. We have, yes. (laughs) We should talk about Buffy. Um, All right, so let's let's get into it. So this time we watched Forever, which is the episode after Buffy's mother dies. Mm -hmm. And, well, I guess technically it's two episodes after Joyce dies, um, right, but essentially. But, yeah. yeah, but they're, this is like the funeral episode. They're dealing with the, again, with the, you know, the chore essentially of burying someone, which I'm only using that word because that comes up in this episode. Mm-hmm. But um, so Buffy's trying to deal with, you know, like picking a coffin and, you know, organizing the funeral. Is there going to be a wake? You know, her mother didn't want to wake. And she's just trying to, like, make sure everything's running the way it's supposed to. And Dawn is acting like a whiny brat and ah. just sulking over everything that's happening. Her and mom just died. <laughs> and um, Unfair editorializing. <laughs> and so Dawn wants to go um, home with Willow and Tara after the funeral. So we see the funeral happen. Um, everybody leaves. Buffy stays staring at the grave essentially until it gets dark and then Angel shows up Mm -hmm. because he found out Buffy's mom died and he's there for her Um, and so they kind of you know have a chat in the cemetery and he just lets her talk and you know they realize it's probably better if he doesn't stick around and then he leaves and um, meanwhile Dawn is at Willow and Tara's and asks them hey you guys are witches can't you just bring my mom back from the dead mm-hmm. and regardless of how many times they tell her it's a really bad idea these spells never turn out well they're really difficult they're not mm-hmm. even sure it's possible Dawn doesn't want to hear it all she thinks is that they're rudely not wanting to make her feel better by making her mother mm-hmm. come back to life I'm still editorializing mm-hmm. and <laughs> um, so Dawn uh, Willow kind of hints her way to a book on the history of witchcraft, and Dawn takes that and then hunts down another spell book that does have a spell to bring a body back from the dead. Spike uh, encounters her at her mother's grave trying to get some dirt, and so he's kind of cautioning her, like, you better be careful what you're trying to do because a lot of these spells can go badly wrong, mm-hmm. and you also don't want to end up in zombie territory. Mm-hmm. And so he decides that he's going to help Dawn and takes her to this demon doctor person um, in town who knows a lot about spells. And he gives Dawn a spell that's supposed to work. And she and Spike have to go steal demon eggs to make it work. And then she does the spell. Buffy finds out what she's doing. And, you know, she and Dawn have a heart to heart about what it means that their mother's gone mm-hmm. and someone knocks at the door and Buffy runs to open it and Don tears Joyce's photo in half because she doesn't want to see what she raised up from the dead. Mm-hmm. And now that spell. she has proof that Buffy actually cares that their mother died, yeah. she's willing to, to move on. Move on. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, right out the bat, I obviously disagree with you. I don't think Don, Don isn't even really whining in the very, all the first scenes of this episode. They're not telling her anything. I mean, and I am completely sympathetic to both her and Buffy in this situation because I think the final scene really kind of hits the nail on the head for why all, both of them are acting the way that they are. But like, I mean, Buffy isn't telling her anything and Buffy is not being sympathetic at all. Nobody's, you know, nobody's telling her what's happening. Nobody's letting her make any of the decisions. It's her mom too. And, you know, kind of coupled, you know, again, this is right on the back of her finding out that she's only sort of real. And now the one other connection that she has to the world really being her mom and Buffy is gone. You know, I mean, 
I am very grateful that both of my parents are still alive. And I think I will be a whiny brat when they die for sure. You know, no matter, even if I'm 50 or I mean, God willing, I'm much older than I am now. I think, I, I, I think her and Buffy are both clearly struggling with grief, which is a very difficult thing. And neither of them know what to do. And Buffy is, cannot be the parent that she needs to be to Dawn in this situation. So I think, I don't think Dawn is, I mean, she should, she should not do what she does, but I don't think she's even being bratty in the beginning of the episode. I think she's being silent, you know, because nobody's talking to her. Yeah. Okay. You're right that Dawn has reason, but I also think like, they're not telling her everything, but they are telling her why certain things need to happen. This was something that, you know, mom wanted or like blah, blah, blah. And Dawn's just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Why are we doing this? Like, but she doesn't okay. say She doesn't say any of those things. When they, Buffy picks out the coffin and, and Dawn says, I don't know, should, what about a different one? And D- Buffy just shuts her down. So like they don't, they're not actually including her in any of the, they might, they are telling her we need to do this and mom didn't want this, but they're not really giving her an opportunity to participate. They're not really talking to her. And she doesn't say those things that you just said. <laughs> that was her general she attitude. Doesn't, no, her, her attitude was giving people the silent treatment because they're not including her, which I think well, everybody has, is Kara guilty of. are trying to tell her that she can't just, like, yeah. spell her mother back from the dead, she's like, well, her attitude towards them is, like, if you cared about me, you would try to help yeah. me. Like, that's really, like, annoying and, like, bratty and, like, shows her immaturity. So. But she's and, young! <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't have to like it. And Ugh. also, she brings back that stupid monotone, and I swear to God, if she speaks like that, I can't enjoy any episode that she's in. Like, mm. I'm, I'm getting really angry about it, but, like, I really... Who's telling her that to convey emotion, you have to go, yes, it is. <laughs> it, did not, it did not bother me at all. <laughs> but I guess I just, I don't, I, I really think it's unfair to say that a young teenage girl who just lost her mother, she doesn't have to be behaving properly. That's part of being, I mean, part of it is that people cut you slack. Like I think, and in my personal experience, these things happen and everybody is at each other's throats a little bit because it's really, really difficult. Like there's no... Nobody, I mean, there's certainly things that it's not an excuse to do any and everything. So I think like, yeah, she deserves, she shouldn't have actually gone through with the things that she did go through with. But I don't think the attitude is a problem for me at all. I think it's completely realistic. And I think Buffy is doing exactly the same thing. Buffy is just refusing at all to deal with it, which is no more healthy or less annoying, but it is really realistic and totally justifiable. So I feel like it's less annoying to watch. I was I was more annoyed at Buffy as I always am. When you're the older one and you're the more mature one, it's on you to help smooth things over a little bit. Like there there really is, you know, at the end of the episode Don says like you won't even look me in the eye and it's totally true. Buffy is completely shutting her out for the whole first 90% of this episode. So it's like it is uh, that's mean and painful. I, I thought that was hard for me to watch or really it was it didn't wasn't hard for me to watch, but it annoyed me that I was like Buffy, hug your sister. Like Buffy, go talk to her. Buffy, tell her anything that like will convey that you're feeling sad. <laughs> I guess I just don't agree that like like I agree with you that like Buffy was acting that way, but I guess to me, it was just less irritating to watch. Like, I guess, honestly, but like, it's really team, a battle for me between, like, I understand what they're trying to do with Dawn, and I think the execution of it is my problem. It doesn't bother me even a little bit. But I guess I'm curious then, though, like, how do you, how do you think you behaved as a teenage girl? Because I think I was not so far off from Dawn that, like, I was far off from her when they were writing her like she was six. But, like, I, I don't know. I mean, I was giving people the silent treatment when they were being annoying or when I was annoyed for reasons that were either valid or not. Like, I don't think any of this is not, it, it's not, I was, I was the same way. I don't know. Teenage girls are brats, but also so are both. Everybody's a brat when they're young. <laughs> yeah. It's just like this idea that that's interesting TV is like, well, I think it's just realistic. I think it would be way more uh, annoying if they had painted her as some sort of like a wise beyond her years teenager. That is a thing that I don't like in TV shows, you know, like kids are kids. I don't know. If anything, we've already had Buffy be wise beyond her years because of all the things she's had to deal with. Like, I guess that's what they're going for, though. Hmm. I guess that's the thing, though, is like Dawn is supposed to be what? Like, I don't even know how I think she's supposed supposed to be 14. Okay, I still just think she acts like a child, like but 14 is a child. (laughs) I mean, just because you're technically in your teens isn't like I guess I think 18 year olds are children now. So it's like everybody's a child. (laughs) 
No, I mean, I guess it's just like, to your point, like we were, we saw a bunch of teenagers act wise beyond their years, like in the first few seasons. And then to now we have another teenager on the show who's acting like she's younger than she's supposed to be. Hmm. I don't know. I just, I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm having a hard time right now not falling into the camp of people who are like anti-Dawn. So. But I guess I guess I'm surprised because I would think that you would be able to look back at your life as a teenager and be like, man, yeah, the teens, right? Like, I don't know. Is there not part no part of you that thinks you ever acted like this? Yeah, I'm sure there are times where I was like, you know, angry or like whatever, but like I don't know. I didn't generally like run off and try to do stupid things when people told me like Ex- but, like very explicit reasons why I shouldn't do them. But the, but this but the level of trauma that you were dealing with was probably not. Yeah, I say this knowing you and true. knowing that you know. Now I'm not making assumptions. I feel like I I think I would know if there were really dark yeah. secrets. No, to you're you, right. But. Like I don't have like a horrible like traumatic death that I was trying to deal with. Like, yeah. Like I'm saying I understand what the point they're trying to make that like to get to cut her some slack. It's just like I so did not enjoy watching it unfold I guess, that like I don't know I guess I'm I guess there is I guess then for me a little bit of it is just that like in general I think in the world you know teenage girls are really looked down upon and get that kind of label a lot for being bratty and emotional because for a lot of things that I think are really un- unfair so there is sort of this part of me that's just like I mean teenage girls should be allowed to be that way and it shouldn't be something that everybody hates them for because boys are no better <laughs> like and also, no kids are better. Is a rare a rare child that won't annoy you at some point, you know? Yeah. No, I'm not trying to further anything of, like, if Dawn's daring to express her emotions, she, you know, is just being a brat. It's just, like, the way she's... She's not raising her hand and saying, I don't understand this, won't you tell me? She's just like, but it's I don't want to be here, I don't, you know... But every... That's... I guess that's what is relatable to me, though. Like, when you're young, people... Even as adults, like we were just talking about a situation where it's like, oh, those adults couldn't just talk about this. Like communication is really difficult. And especially when you're young and people aren't counseling you through it, like you don't know how to say you don't know that being direct might be the best option for you. You know, it seems like why doesn't everybody just understand me? Because I think, again, that's like very real world is like it's hard. Even as an adult, people, you know, like I know I'm not like perfect at talking to people all the time and telling them what I need especially in moments of grief. Team, team Dawn all the way. I think Dawn is a very, very realistic teenager. I don't think she's doing anything that... Oh, the bring... Okay, well, I mean, we should move on. Bringing your mom, trying to bring your mom back from the dead when people have repeatedly told you not to is a, bad, is a very, very bad idea. But also, I mean, what was Willow doing? Well, Why is so Willow... I, I mean, Willow is culpable in this I as well. I really want to talk about this because this, this whole scene, as annoying as I thought the interactions were, it was a really thought-provoking scene for me because like Willow and Tara are at first very explicitly like don't do this this is a bad idea and then Willow kind of Uh, slides into the lane of like well I mean like academically like I don't know like you know like she's kind of open to reading about it and then she like gives the book to Dawn which I think is so interesting given where things go in the next season and like Willow clearly on some level does not have some sort of, like, objection to, like, exploring this type of magic or, like, considering it. I mean, and I don't even think, I think from out the gate, Willow is clearly showing ambivalence. Or, yeah, ambivalence. I, that's not the right word. Uh, You're saying at first they both take that stand. I don't think, Willow is not doing that. She's not really saying anything. She's kind of standing in the background, like, shrugging. Because I was, like, watching her pretty closely to be like, Willow, eh? But (laughs) I think, um... Because, oh, I mean, and partially because because we've been talking about Willow a lot and how much her later issues have been well, well established. You know, like her, she is going to still think of magic as a solution to things. She's not going to restrain herself the way that clearly somebody with her power levels needs needs to. You know, like, I, yeah, I think she has definitely has an academic interest in it. And I think that that's a lot, a lot of where it's coming from, but I think right out the gate, Dawn was asking her these questions and she was like, ah, and yeah, she, if Tara hadn't been there, I think that conversation would have gone completely differently, obviously, but like, you know. Yeah. Cause we kind of see at this point, like on some level, Willow is still kind of deferring to Tara in terms yeah, of like, as the expert, she's yeah. the more experienced witch and like, she's like taking this, but we also see her start to kind of like poke and prod at that and be like, well, she's willing to push boundaries. And, and I'm curious, like after this conversation, what are the conversations that they all have 
at the beginning of season six that we don't see. Right. Like, what yeah. are the group conversations that happened before the season started to get Tara to On where board. she, you know, yeah. what, like, well, I mean, I know, you, you know, I mean, we know what the ultimate justification is that they don't think that <laughs> they think that Buffy is in a different dimension, not like for real dead of natural causes, I think is a, a fairly black and white judgment, you know, kind of as has been going on this whole time with Joyce even getting sick in the beginning and Buffy bringing it up, Tara's pretty much, her justification has been, if it's something happening from the natural order of things, then you can't interfere with it. Whereas they look at what happens to Buffy as something that's not natural. And I think has, it, it does live in a more gray area than like, I think Joyce is so clearly, you know, this was a brain tumor that caused a hemorrhage in your head. There's nothing mystical about it that could justify any kind of intervention. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. That feels like a stretch because, like, it is I feel a stretch, like, but what, like when they do it next season, like, there's clearly a body, there's clearly a grave, like, you know, there's not a. Is there a body? Yes. Yeah, you're right because she comes through the little. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah you're right. So, hmm. well, it feels like they just decide that the scenario is more worth it in that situation, uh, but like. I don't know. I was just thinking about that a lot watching this scene, and I was like, hmm. That's so funny, because I was almost only thinking about how Willow is once again clearly willing to push boundaries because she is so excited by magic and isn't, you know, Willow is I think that's a big part of it, but I was just thinking about it in the way that she somehow convinced everybody else to go along with it, because everybody else right now seems really like, you know, except for Spike, like Spike is kind of like, yeah, this is a terrible idea, but I'm going to help you anyway. And then um, Tara, though, is like very explicitly against this idea. So, yeah. you know, and even the even the demon guy who's like giving her the spell is kind of cautioning her against doing it. I yeah. mean, like there's well, this sort like, of, trope yeah. in fiction, right, where like people always want to like bring back the dead, and people are always like, "Don't do it," and then they just like disregard it. Like, yeah, okay, like which is always annoying. But like, I feel like at all sides you have like both good and bad people and ambivalent people telling you not to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that said, I guess I did have this thought watching this episode where I was like, there's kind of, they had kind of had to do that. I would have been disappointed if a show like Buffy hadn't addressed it at all. You know, I mean, whether or not they needed to go through with it or not, I think I, I actually was really satisfied with this episode on the whole. I think it was, it would be silly to suggest that no one would throw this out as an option. I think the fact that they do have a younger, less mature character kind of gives them the leeway to explore it as, you know, because it's like, we don't ever see zombie Joyce in this episode, but it's clear that they pull off the spell or at least some, you know, whether or not it worked how it was supposed to is completely, you know, unclear to me. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad that they let them explore this idea because I think it would be silly in a show like Buffy to just move past it. And I think, you know, realistically also as viewers, as much as like, you know, this is this episode is not the body. It's never going to live in this legendary way that it does. But I do kind of forget about this episode. And I thought it was actually a really nice exploration of what it, the fallout of grief and how difficult it is to deal with it. And like, I really enjoyed not enjoyed, but I really appreciated getting to see Buffy really just admit by the end that like, I have no effing idea what I'm doing. And this is awful. You know, like I, I really thought that the arc of the episode was nice, even if there are elements that are, um, easy to say like well why would they even do that <laughs> why would why would don do this thing that is so clearly dangerous and why are willow and spike helping her you know yeah that said i just want to reiterate i really think willow holds a lot of the blame for this that like i i was like watching until the very end when she was like oh i just thought she wanted to read about the history and that would make her feel better i was like willow i i mean do you even believe that i i really don't think so i when why would willow lead her to this thing without then also being there to help her pull it off when it's like, not only could this spell go wrong and that Joyce could come back wrong, but like, well, you know, Dawn could really hurt herself doing this. Like as much as again, then yeah. Well, maybe this is Willow, like in some way, like underestimating Dawn. Like she, maybe, yeah, she might be sort of like covering her tracks by saying, Oh, I only thought she wanted to read about it. But like also maybe on some level she thought like Dawn would never take it past that. Right. Maybe. I think, I guess it's probably both, right? She's probably not believing that Don would do that. And I, I don't think that Willow had malicious intent and really thought she's definitely going to do this super dangerous thing and that's fine. But I do think that her intellectual curiosity is this like undercurrent that she doesn't always, isn't cognizant of, you know? I think her a little bit was like, yes, what her end goal was to make Don feel better in some way by reading about this. 
but I don't think she's unhappy that she tested this water. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ugh. So Willow, not so great. And, and then I guess, again, as much as I'm like, I mean, Spike obviously should have intervened. I don't think he has bad logic, though, when he says it kind of in the way that it's like he, she's going to do it anyway. I'm glad that he helped her because he did certainly help her not get as injured as she could have. Yeah. And find a spell that wasn't going to like go so horribly. Wrong. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, even if he just says like he's, you know, if it works, then you've done one thing to make your life less terrible. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I do, I did, the, there was a moment where Spike was really, I felt for him, because, like, he brought the flowers to the house, and, because Joyce and was his that. friend, and, yeah. you know, like he says, she's the only one that didn't look at him differently because of what he was. And, 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 and when we were watching those scenes, I think we, because we, I mean, I know because I knew this scene is coming, that I was really looking for it, and she really, it, it's totally true. You know, the things that he says are very true. And, you know, to, Xander gives him a lot of flack for like, oh, you're just trying to get in Buffy's good graces and how dare you try and pounce on a moment like this. But I think it is really, really clear that that's not what he's doing for once. You know, obviously Strike needs a little bit of help right now because he's undertaking some really shady behavior in order to live out his Buffy fantasy. But I think this is one instance where, I, I, you know, I don't think it's ambiguous at all. I think he really is mourning Joyce because she was a really nice person. And I think that was a really sweet sentiment. Yeah. And a nice way to underscore that, how good of a person Joyce was, I think, you know, even the demons are mourning her. Uh. Um, so a couple of other things that happen in this episode, uh, is that Ben revealed, (laughs) Ben accidentally lets the cat out of the bag that the key is a person. Oops. Um, well, I forgot about it, too, until I was just reading through my notes. But I, you know, I like that little B-plot. I think, first of all, I mean, it needed to happen because somebody needed to set glory on finding out who the key is. But um, I guess I just like getting to see Dark Ben, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> I thought that scene was really interesting because, for one, we also hear him call her my sister. Mm. So that's, like, a really interesting way that he's thinking about their... Relationship. Um, ...existence. Mm-hmm. And then that he does let the like let it slip that the key is an innocent, you know, mm-hmm. which is obviously only would mean like a person. Yeah. Um, and also he does a really bad job of killing that minion. Well, I know. I mean, that was a part where I had to kind of roll my eyes. Of like Ben, did like, you not stay sure there until dead. he's dead? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but that'll obviously have an impact. More. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is that I, once again, like seeing Ben realizing that he's let this secret out and his reaction isn't like, Oh, well, I can't believe I did that is his reaction is to stab the minion like in the gut and be like, well, can't tell her now, except again, he whiffs it a little bit. But I think the other thing that's interesting in this episode is that uh, the guy they go see to help carry out the spell, right? That guy is so creepy. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought that was a really effective. Uh, he's effective. He's tail. effective. Yeah. The little tail swish, the little eye thing. It's like they were pretty subtle. And that guy is just like the right amount of like, unnerving kind of in just his mannerisms. I thought he was, I thought he was a good addition to this episode. I think he also really underscores that like, you shouldn't be doing this thing if you have to go to someone like this. You know who that is, right? We've talked about it and I've looked him up. I forgot to do it this time. So that's Joel Gray. Yes. Who was the MC in Cabaret. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. He's also Jennifer Gray's father. Oh, uh, that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I think he might have passed away recently okay like within the last few years mm-hmm. um yeah so we, we will see him again but that's my yeah. fun little pop culture trivia yeah piece, uh, but he was yeah. very good in this i thought mm-hmm. no he Oops. he he is the right amount of like he kind like, of looks like a kindly old man but then you're like something yeah. is not right yeah he's like academically creepy i guess yeah he's like here's the text and everything and oh well be careful and then he looks and it's like you know at this point knowing what i know what's coming i'm like does he know who dawn is at this point yeah i don't know a little bit um interesting in retrospect to think i mean i think also though the fact that he let he gives this stuff information to her for free is like you should be suspicious (laughs) yeah that's not great i did kind of have the thought and then i answered it for myself in a way that I thought 
<laughs> I satisfied my own curiosity. Uh, it did seem a little bit like this spell was like kind of too easy. You know, it does seem like bringing somebody back from the dead should really be prohibitively difficult and you should require like, like Don, somebody who's never done magic probably shouldn't be able to just do it. I think what was a little bit satisfying to me on that front though, is the fact that, um, it kind of get, I got the impression that like this spell rarely goes right. You know, everybody's talking about how like it's easy for it to go wrong, but I think what they're really saying is, is like uh, pretty much zero chance that it's going to be what you want. So like, I guess that, that made me feel a little bit better about like, maybe people are doing this spell from time to time. And when they're confronted with their like probably zombie relative, they're, they let it go. You know, I guess I just thought that made it more likely that like, yeah, this spell's a little easier because it's not a very good spell. <laughs> yeah. I did think about that because like, you know, especially when Willow first started dabbling in magic and then mm-hmm. Giles said some stuff about not being very experienced with magic. There is this idea that you have to kind of build up your skills yeah. and like you can't just operate these spells like without any practice. And yet here's Dawn doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's like the show doesn't really like they want to have it both ways. Right. Like yeah. they want to say, oh, like Willow's going to, you know, pass out and get a nosebleed trying to go too far too fast but like Don can just do this because it's narratively convenient yeah 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 so I guess right I that's true I just I guess I did justify it enough right well it's possible that he gave her like you said like the you know the easy spell but I mean because it's clear you know we don't ever get to see Joyce but we do see just enough kind of hint to know that like yeah she's not herself the spell this spell worked in the very very technical sense of bringing her back or re- reanimating her maybe but it's clear that she's not gonna be their mother you know right so yeah Ugh. so okay actually that reminds me of two things that i wanted to say i did really like the opening uh scene of this episode where they're in the mortuary or they're in the funeral home and picking out coffins i thought it was a really I don't, I don't know what the right word is, but I just thought it was a really nice use of this show and the show's mythology that like we see Buffy walking through, uh, you know, this is a thing that we've seen Buffy do a lot. We've seen her in funeral homes, looking at coffins, waiting for vampires to spring out of them. And I thought it was like a nice, effective use of this thing that we've seen a hundred times, but it obviously feels so different. I thought that was just clever, I guess. I don't know. I liked it. No, I thought that was effective. And I also think what was a great use of this show and it's, like, kind of history of, like, what the show is, mm-hmm. is, like, the scene at the end yes. between Dawn and Buffy is, like, crazy emotional. And yes, this is really where I was moving. going. Yeah. And then it's also an amazing horror scene. Yeah, because yeah. you just see the shadow walk across the curtain. Well, and, and you know what's coming to knock on the door. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, it doesn't take away from the emotion of the scene, like, at mm-hmm. all. No, that was exactly where I was going, so I'm glad that you said that. But, I, <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, oh, my God, that scene was so good because zombie Joyce silhouette walks by the window. And at that moment, Buffy tells Dawn, I'm scared. And she's clearly not talking about scared of a zombie. I was like, that was just that was just some nice you did it. You framed the scene well. You hit that moment at the right point. It, like, really makes it land that, like, Buffy is terrified of having to now be the only adult in their household. She's scared of life without her mom. Like, I just thought that was, yeah, I really, really liked that. I was like, that was a cool, cool scene where it's, like, this traditional, like, we're going to be scared of the zombies coming, but they're having this totally other conversation. Mm. And I also think this scene is great because, like, we will see that Buffy's justifiably worried about how she's going to be able to handle this. Yeah. And like this idea yeah. of like whether she can truly be there for Dawn in the way that their mom was able to be is mm-hmm. like going to be something that she's struggling with, you know, down the line. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not for the rest of the season as you know, the shift kind of turns more to the immediate danger of glory, mm-hmm. but like, you know, that's a big uh, element of the next season. For sure. Yeah. And I, and I, and again, I kind of said this already. I did really like that final scene. I thought it was very cathartic. I thought, you know, and as, like I said, as much as I kind of forget about this episode because it's really pales in comparison to the previous one, but it was a, I I think we really did still need an episode to continue decompressing what happened, you know? And I think it was effective to see Buffy. She's trying so hard to be strong. And she thinks what that means is to have no emotion whatsoever. And she does need somebody there to say like, you have to, you have to be sad. You can't just keep doing this. Yeah. Even if for only Dawn's sake, she needs to let it out a little bit. I think that was a really touching final scene and heartbreaking. This is definitely the most time they have ever spent on a death in the show. For sure. Yeah. Um, Huh? Three episodes. Well, beyond like Angel, but Mm. you know, 
That was more Buffy struggling with the how, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Um, a good point. Well, how did you feel um, about Angel in this episode? So, you know, to me it makes sense that he would come back Mm -hmm. and do that, especially because the show never seems willing to kind of truly let him go. Mm -hmm. Um, It is convenient, though, that Joyce manages to die right after Angel has his little epiphany. (laughs) What would have happened if he was still on his crusade against Wolfram and Hart? I don't know. So that was a little bit jarring to, like, see that scene with them and to think about everything that's been going on on Angel. Right. And, like, this is what I would think I was talking about last week where I was saying they sometimes have these crossovers where it feels like the shows aren't operating in the same world anymore mm-hmm. because it's a little bit out of context, you know? Yeah. Um, but I thought it was nice. Yeah. I I don't know if it was necessary, but, you know. I, I had a kind of medium mild reaction to it which was like I yeah I think it was nice I think Buffy really needed it it kind of stuck out to me that they don't really fit together anymore I thought it was a little bit like I I understand why you guys are both doing this and I'm glad that he's there to be that support system for you I think that part is true but it didn't I didn't feel the same kind of like spark between them the way that I think they used to have I think you know they really have been living separately for so long now yeah and the show clearly wants you to think it's still there because there's this whole like forced like oh we're kissing like oh Oh, no we can't can't do this this kind of thing I guess that's what I'm saying yeah I mean that that all felt really forced to me Mm -hmm. me too so yeah, or but that's what I mean by the show just not being willing to like truly let him. Yeah, go. but I but that that said, I can believe that they both also. I think people do that too. You know, people think that there's still something there and are convinced themselves that there is, even if there's not. So, yeah, I don't think that's how the show meant it, but I do think it still works in that way. <laughs> is that all, that's all you got? That's all I have. Yeah, I think I think that was a a good segue into Angel. Yeah. Now um, that we're talking about Angel. Yeah. And his velvet pants. He had velvet pants? I didn't even notice I that. I think he did. I That was a note I made to myself. That <laughs> the the way the light, I don't know, maybe they weren't because it was dark and it was hard to tell, but they looked velvet to me. Okay. So. Which would make sense, you know, given that Angel used to have a penchant for wearing velvet, so. <laughs> um, okay, so disharmony. You know, as promised, harmony is in this episode. Thank God. It was wonderful. Um, I think I'll keep this brief. But essentially, um, you know, we saw in the last episode, Angel made amends and came back to work for Wesley. So this episode is kind of carrying, continuing through that storyline that Angel now works for Wesley. They make some little jokes about it. And he's still just dealing with the fact that, you know, they've let him back into the group, but they're not. Everybody's guards aren't down. They're still mad at him and hurt by the things that he had been doing. Um, It also kind of is a follow up to like in the last episode, we saw Cordelia kind of talk about how she doesn't really have any friends. You know, she really only has these couple of people. And though they're close, they're not really friends in that kind of way that you can just, you know, she doesn't have anyone to hang out with. So all that being said, Harmony arrives at the hotel. She's looked up where Cordelia is and she came to pretty much just hang out with her because last we saw her, she was getting you know, she was ended her terrible relationship with Spike. And so now she's in LA as she says to like, check out the LA party scene. And I think that's pretty much what she's doing here. So she doesn't tell Cordelia right out the bat that she's a vampire, but, um, she does need an explicit invitation to get into Cordelia's home. Um, they have a, uh, yeah. So they just are basically catching up, you know, they're talking about where, how they used to be in high school, where they thought they'd be now, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's a pretty failed joke to, you know, miscommunication where Cordelia thinks that Harmony is coming on to her, but romantically, but in fact, Harmony at this point hasn't told her that she's a vampire and she's just really tempted to uh, drink Cordelia. But once it's all out in the air, Cordelia totally pretty much accepts it and is just like happy to kind of happy to have a friend again, somebody to pal around with. And as much as, you know, Harmony insists that she's evil, she doesn't really seem to be interested in attacking Cordelia. So they continue to kind of go about, you know, she tags along with Cordelia as she and the team investigate um, this vision vision that she had of uh, vampires in weird hoods attacking attacking people all over L.A. Um, and it turns out that as they uncover this plot, it's uh, basically a vampire pyramid scheme <laughs> run by an old former life coach who's continuing to kind of peddle his life coachiness, except now to vampires. There's like multiple levels in this group where you get a different color coat 
Uh, it was hilarious. I loved it. So they go there to take them down. And of course, kind of a, a little bit surprisingly, but mostly unsurprisingly, by the very end of it, though, Harmony has t- decided that she wants to be part of the good guys. Her kind of evil vampire nature takes over and she um, decides to help out these this other group. So Cordelia has to, you know, she lets her live. I think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> and she lets her go on. Um and that's kind of where the episode ends, except at the very, very end, Angel wins his way back into Cordelia's good graces by buying her nice new clothes. She does point out that he gave away a lot of her stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we get to see Harmony again and they uh, battle Pyramid Scheme Demon. It was great. I loved that demon. I'm sorry, the vampire subplot was like one of the funniest things I've seen in a really long time. <laughs> yeah. I think everything about this episode is great and I think that it helps that Yes, the vampire demon plot starts out like really dire and ends up being just hilarious. It's amazing. And also, like, <laughs> harmony helps. And may I say, the scene at the end where Angel buys Cordelia new clothes is quite possibly my favorite scene of this entire show. <laughs> I did really like it. Wesley is so mad about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Well, I just tell me why you love it. I remember the first time I saw that scene, I think I like slept through most of the episode and I woke up and like all I saw was like Cordelia being really happy that Angel bought her new clothes (laughs) (laughs) yeah I liked it I I had a you know again the kind of had the passing thought of like is this too shallow for where Cordelia is but I think I mean a little bit it is that but I also just really liked that like what it really is is a symbol you know I don't think that she is still so so shallow that she only cares about the clothes but I do think that it means that, you know, Angel listened to one of the things that she said and he did a thing that he knows she'll like. Yeah. So like, it's not just that she's bought the just clothes. It's that, that, that. <laughs> she is mad that he just gave away her things. And then also it's the bigger issue of he's trying to pretend like there are no real, like lasting consequences for what he did. Right. And like yeah. her not having clothes is like a the thing, only yeah. tangible thing to point to. And to her point, you know, he's like, well, I gave them to people who are needy. And she's like, I'm needy. I mean, Cordelia doesn't have a lot of money. It's not as though she can just replace like, oh, if I don't have anything, she can't just go do it, you know? So yeah. Yeah, but I, I thought it I thought it actually was a very nice fitting gesture. And I enjoyed seeing Wesley Gruce about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I liked it. I thought that was cute. I mean we never really have established how Angel has money to buy. No, I, I ha- well I guess he found that money in the hotel once. He gave I'm it. I'm guessing back, he didn't just me. has like a bank account somewhere that he's been funneling money into for two hundred years. So. I guess I don't know where he's getting any of the money, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe he made a couple of wise, you know, IBM stock purchases once or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I loved the harmony plot of this as well. I think her. It was really fun to see her and Cordelia pal around again. I think it was also a very you know, not, I don't want to say very nuanced, but I do think that they were, you know, we're also not unaware that like, yeah, they used to be close and they're not anymore. And it also is ultimately not going to pan out for either of them, even though it was nice to get to reminisce for a little while. Yeah. And I think Harmony brought an energy that yeah, it was, you know what it, it was? It was like, I think this episode would have been successful anyway, because everybody is back together and mm-hmm. playing off each other. And like, we have this ensemble back together that we have said is the strength of this show. Mm-hmm. But I think also bringing in harmony as this element of, yeah. And she's comedy. She's annoyance. Mm-hmm. She's like someone for everybody to play off of. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's got this added element of like, we're letting evil vampires walk around here now. Yeah. Um, I thought that worked extremely well and I think it was really smart of like okay how can we dig ourselves out of this like depressing hole without yeah it's like but without just, the most effervescent yeah, character yeah. on the show yeah in, or in the universe of the show yeah on, on here and I totally. think that worked really well and I think it's no surprise that Harmony is it's, not killed at the end of right the <laughs> yeah that ultimately she'll yeah. she'll be back yeah um I think you're totally right and saying the way you said it of like oh getting to see everybody play off of her I think it really is the kind of crux of it is that like we know that angel has to still do kind of penance for what's happened. We know that the group can't just immediately come back together because that wouldn't be very faithful to what has, you know, the the actual story that they've been telling. But at the same time, like we cannot sit through another ruling episode of these people and their emotions and especially angels. So I think that you're right that like, Harmony is, once again, somebody that we already know, we understand her place in this universe. So it's not as though they're trying to make us care about, 
I mean, they're also not really making us care about Harmony at all, right? Like, she's there, and she's funny, and I do care about her, but not, like, emotionally. Um, But yeah, I think it is a really good opportunity to let... She lets everybody be in the same room, and they are still kind of working out their issues on the sidelines, but we don't have to suffer through it. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Totally. I mean, yeah, and, like, everything... I didn't suffer at all in this episode. She was was so perfect. I I had this moment watching it where I was like, oh, my God, I'm enjoying myself. Me, too. I mean, oh, my God, we got to the part with the pyramid scheme, though, and we lost (laughs) it. Like, that is so... It was so, so funny. So funny. Yeah. It, because it's also like this inspirational speaker idea. Yeah. And it's like, of course, vampires would fall victim to this. Of course, like, yeah. One thing we've learned about vampires is like they don't really seem to be loner types. Like they do always try to like clump together mm-hmm. in groups and like find a way to be evil. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is just playing into that. And I love the idea of like, um, the multi level. Like, what like you said, and this idea of like, you you get to like eat two and then bring one in. It's the other way around. Do you bring two, eat one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was hilarious. I think he like draws a little pyramid diagram. It's like the actual, literally what pyramid schemes are, where they're like you just bring in two people and then you get rewards. Like it was so <laughs> smart. I loved it. I think that also really, really was like you can't have a vampire pyramid scheme on Buffy because it just doesn't no. fit in there. It doesn't fit in that universe. But you know, Angel. I hope that this is a, you know, I, I don't remember, but I hope that this is kind of a foreshadowing of some other things to come where, like, the fun thing that Angel can do is go deeper into demon life. So, like, yeah, yeah. that means sometimes the demons are darker, there's worse storylines to tell, but it also means there's, like, you can do sillier things with all the demons. Like, do that. Do that more. Man, those guys killed me. I mean, and that was so clever, too, that, like, so Cordelia has this vision of guys with blue co- cloaks taking people out of a car. And so, you know, Angel Investigations goes to, they go to, like, go out and try and find what's been happening, and they do find a bunch of people, but they have green cloaks. And so then they have to have this conversation where they're like, well, you know, did Cordelia just misunderstand? Was it the lighting? Was it something? Blah, 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 blah. They, like, don't find anyone with the blue cloaks, but then, yeah, the reveal down the line that it's the different levels in this stupid scheme was, like, I I really, really liked that. <laughs> and the whole thing with the bird, how the bird was supposed to be red, but, like, yeah. they, they find the bird, and it's just, like, yeah. the lights aren't on, like... I don't know. I thought it was all really well done. It was. It was such a refreshing. And it was also yeah. so so funny. It was hilarious. Everything was hilarious. Well, I mean, I love. Okay, so the Harmony one mis- goes, kind of misstep aside. Yeah, I don't well, think the yeah, but anyway. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't know. I like everybody's involved in this. I think, which is great too. Like Harmony going to the host and like singing. Yes, the the and, way we were. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, your name cannot be harmful. <laughs> he calls her cacophony. Is that what it yeah, is? <laughs> my little cacophony. <laughs> yeah, no, that was great. I loved that. Oh, man. <laughs> I did have this thought, though, because everybody's always talking about, like, that they're struggling for money and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Couldn't they all just live in the hotel and save on rent? <sighs> it's a good question. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe they just want, like, separate existences from it and that's understandable too but like I don't know that's this giant hotel and they're using like three rooms it's true I guess the one thing we know is that Cordelia has a good rate on her hotel I mean on her apartment because it's haunted but yeah yeah I mean I think I can understand wanting that space but it would be smart I don't know I just like had this thought yeah because Cordelia is saying she's needy it's true (laughs) yeah well yeah you can pay your rent um, I don't think Wesley no. is hard up for money as much, though. I just kind of, no. he just seems like a reasonable spender kind of guy. You know, I don't think he had a lot of money, but I feel like he's probably smart about it. I well, except that they had to start paying him because he was, like, desperately out of money. So. Yeah, okay. And then his apartment is, like, really nice. So, yeah. I don't know. Some of it doesn't really square. But hmm. um, but speaking of the ghost, uh, maybe my favorite part was when Harmony oh. was, like... <laughs> I don't want to stay here alone with yeah, the ghost. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> also, I just like, I was lit- like cackling. Yeah, literally when uh, Cordelia offered her place to stay, a place to stay, and she was like, "I mean, do I even have to say it?" And Cordelia Harmony was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I was like, "That is oh, that is great." And her haircut, and she's like, "I think it looks adorable oh, off your neck." Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, I mean, I could just sit here and, like, spit lines back all day. I know. It was was great. It was 
just such a, so refreshing. Agreed. Um, so, but I also kind of giggled when she, so Cordelia is ordering the pizza, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I she's like, how too. do you feel about pineapple and tandoori chicken? Yeah. Okay. Is that a thing? Do you think she was ordering from Golden Gate? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely was. <laughs> yeah. Is that even a thing? I was I like, Cordelia, know, what are you ordering? <laughs> the only place I've ever seen that would serve, yeah. like, anything, like, tandoori on a ch- or tikka masala on a pizza was that place next to the house yeah in, um the sunset oh my god so jenny and i used to live next to this like pizza indian place slash pizza yeah golden gate pizza but it was also half pizza place half indian restaurant yeah and so they would like mix and match with the pizza obviously but like the pizza was so bad it was terrible uh we don't i don't think we really ever tried the indian food but i think i was so turned off that i was like let's not <laughs> yeah it was bad I think I had the Indian food, like, once, and it was okay. Yeah. Probably better than the pizza. But, but. I died when yeah. she said that. Yeah. She, I was like, is that a thing? And, I mean, yeah. it also doesn't sound bad. Yeah, it sounds better than ham and, and pineapple, but I'm not a fan of the pineapple either way, so. I think, like, if you threw some jalapenos on there, mm. I'd definitely eat that. Now you're, I am getting really hungry, <laughs> but not because <laughs> of this conversation. <laughs> Tandoori chicken does sound good, though. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right, well, I think takeaway for me is just I was ready for a good episode of Angel. Me too. And more harmony. I mean, she's not going to be back for a while, but yeah. it was great. But she will be at some point, so mm. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay, well, next week we have Intervention. Mm-hmm. Or not next week. Okay, we should say so there's another small break right. after this one airs. Right. Um, I think like a couple weeks. I have um, to look at the calendar to say. Yeah. But next time we'll have Intervention and then Dead End on Angel. Yes. Yeah, we're going to skip a couple, two weeks after this, I think. Yeah. Dead End, I obviously don't know anything about. <laughs> Could be about anything. <laughs> I ended up reading the synopsis mm. on Hulu, but okay. I think it's like maybe one more throwaway and then maybe we get to the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, we're almost there. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and the end of the season of Angel, I do remember really loving. Me too. So. Yeah. Looking forward to that. And yep. then Intervention, I don't know if I really remember what that one's about. Uh, I mean, I see a screenshot that kind of tips me off, but I think that uh, Buffy Bot is going to make an appearance. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Okay. Now I remember. Um, so we'll have those. Um, but until then, you said you had a lot of spooky. Well, um, yeah, I don't have a lot of recommendations, but I have one that I'm excited about. Um, we just started watching <laughs> this new Netflix show called, oh God, I keep getting the order of the words wrong. It's because, hold on. Yeah. The Haunting of Hill House, which is based on the Shirley Jackson novel from the late fifties. Um, there've been several movie adaptations of it. And then there's also a movie called like the Hill House. There's like, there's a, there's several movies Two of them based on this book and the same storyline and one of them not, but they all have the same words in the mix and I just can't get it straight. But the Netflix show is called The Haunting of Hill House, which is also the name of the novel. It's actually a very, very loose adaptation. It's pretty much not the same novel or story at all. Um, Other than it's about a haunted house uh, called Hill House. Uh, But yeah, so I... (laughs) I didn't really know that much about it. My brother was like, oh, I can't wait to watch it. You should really watch it. And so we started watching it yesterday morning. Uh, This was before my proposal that we kept watching after the proposal. It was a great day. Um, It is. I love it so far. I mean, it's like, I'm not going to, it's not the best TV show I've ever seen in my life, but so far I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, You know, it's a Netflix show. All the episodes are out. I think there's 10 of them. The basic storyline is that this family of, with five kids, moved into obviously a haunted house, uh, you know, 20 years ago or something like that. And they had lived there briefly. Um, at, and then by the end of it, uh, many of the kids had had several supernatural experiences and their mother ends up dying and they flee one night. And so then the rest of the show, it kind of is a, there's a lot of flashbacks and present day timeline where we, all the kids are adults now and they're all have clearly dealt with this in a variety of ways. But, um, yeah, so they're, they mostly don't, their, like, family unit has kind of dissolved, and they're sort of, for 
sad reasons reconnecting. It's also a show about grief. Honestly, this is the second time in a row that I've watched something that was like closely analogous to the episode of Buffy. <laughs> I'm like, I not mean to keep doing this. Um, but it's so, so spooky. I really like it. I think it's the perfect level of spooky for me. Um, and we were watching the first couple episodes. It's also the sort of thing that it's like clearly ramping up. So like the first episodes aren't as scary as it's been getting. But man, we came home last night and I was like, hey, we have to watch another one. And we ended up watching two more. And I, I had some trouble sleeping. It was so spooky. There's this, I really, really like the way that they're doing kind of the ghost, ghost element in the flashbacks. I think they're, I think they're great. I was reading some AV club reviews where they were really crapping on it. And they were like, oh, I can't, they shouldn't show you anything. And it's always scary. You don't see anything. And I'm like, I mean, kind of, but like, also ghosts are scary. (laughs) Are we just totally over ghosts? I'm not. I think it would be way too scary for you, but I love it. Oh, it's so good. Also, it's like rich family drama. It's like, you know, it's like a pretty, it's like six feet under, except even more scary. Six feet under is not scary at all, but it's just like rich family drama. They've got this horrible traumatic backstory that they're all working through, not successfully, and then ghosts. (laughs) That does not sound like something I should watch. You shouldn't watch it, but anybody else that wants to be spooked, I think you would like it. I, I do think, uh, I, I can understand why I think the, some of the, the one reviewer that I, I, mostly it's been getting like pretty positive reviews. The one that doesn't seem to like it is somebody who is like, this isn't like the book at all. And it's like, it's nothing. I mean, I, I think they're doing a, a, a decent job at recreating kind of the like sense of the book, but it's a total, it's, you know, there's clues to like, there's homages to the book, but it's not the same story at all. The, in the, the book is about, adults that move into this house and have experiences. Um, but this is totally different. So I, I, I can understand how, if you're really, really a fan and people really, really love that book, you would maybe be disappointed because it's not that, but I am certainly in the camp of people who thinks it's way better to do a loose adaptation of something than try and recreate it and fail. I don't know. I think it's more important that you nail kind of the sentiment than that you bother, you know, trying to just do a play by play of the book. Cause like, then I would just read the book if that's what I wanted. <laughs> Right. Oh, but so spooky. So, so many, there's a really creepy shadow guy that walks down the hallway and that was an image that I could not get out of my head last night when I was trying to fall asleep. I was like, oh my God. We chased, this is why I can't watch these things we chased it. I enjoy sleep. It was, I, I'm fine during the day too. I knew it was a bad idea to watch it in bed before we went to sleep. We chased it with an episode of The Good Place, which was nice, but like did not, the lights go out and I was like, oh, just see that stupid demon. <laughs> I mean, ghost, he's not a demon. Yeah. Anyway. That's what I've got. Um, so I, it's just really funny. So I think I've mentioned before that it was something that I like mentioned I was reading, but I wasn't like ready or didn't want to like say it as like a full recommendation. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I talked about how I started reading the Wheel of Time series. Mm-hmm. Okay. So just to refresh, this is a 14 book fantasy series. Okay. Yeah. And each book is like 800 pages. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, apparently it only takes like three or four books to really get going because (laughs) (laughs) I'm reading the seventh one right now and I've read like five, six, and seven in the last week. Like now I'm like fully immersed in it and I'm like, oh, this is like, now I'm just like, can't wait to read the next one. And I'm like, well, I guess that's a bit of a commitment to ask people to wait four books for it to really get going. But I don't know. Now I think I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And I think I only kept reading because like, you know, once I started, I was like, well, I'm not going to not finish. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, they're each, like, I think the last two were, like, 900 pages. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. They're not short books. Uh, I'm not going to commit to it yet, but... But it's kind of scratching my Game of Thrones itch, because mm-hmm. it's, like, a weird mix of, like, the political stuff, but also there's a lot of, like, fantasy elements of, like, magic and, you know good versus evil and like various people caught up in the you know the various sides of this Mm -hmm. so I don't know it's it's still fun yeah but but again I hesitate to recommend it because you know 14 books yeah so yeah big commitment but that's what I'm reading right now I've been doing a lot of reading I don't know I kind of I realized the other day that, like, the fall TV season had, like, officially started. Oh, yeah. But I was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Other than I've been good watching place, The Good Place, yeah. and, like, that's kind of it. Yeah. So. 
Okay, well, um... I spooked myself out having that conversation with you, by the way. I'm kind of like, oh, a bunch of creaks just happened in my apartment. I'm like, okay. So take one earphone off. (laughs) Um, Maybe it's just Alex. It's not. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Okay. Anyway. Well, I think I'm going to be Team Harmony this week. Oh, yeah. I'd like to do that, too. I'm going to be Team Tara, though. We didn't talk about it very much, but I continue to appreciate her kind of grounded level-headedness that's just, like, very soothing and nice in the background. She she does sometimes appear to be the only voice of reason. (laughs) But I really like her. I appreciate her kind of emotional maturity that... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait till she's a regular. Me, too. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, I'll talk to you in um, a while. Yeah. (laughs) Have fun on your trip. Thanks. Okay, bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. <laughs>